Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the March 29th, 2023, 166th edition, always broadcasting from the Cellmark Studios along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield news team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. MISD falls victim to swatting. Chunk your junk day is this weekend. We have the seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve talks about the grief and mourning process with local funeral expert Jason Harris. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Hi, this is Dr. Benita Reed, and I'm your candidate for Mansfield ISD School Board Place 6. I'm asking for your vote because I believe in the good that our public education system can bring to our kids' lives. I have over 30 years of experience that has prepared me to look at the impacts that every decision will have through the lens of a teacher, an administrator, a professor, and a parent of an MISD student. Early voting is April 24th through May 2nd. Election Day is Saturday, May 6th. Read more at readformisd.com. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area, and when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction. A Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, We are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. Hi, my name is Kenneth Rose, President and CEO of Texas Health Hospital Mansfield. You are listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. MISD police and other agencies responded to one of the high school campuses on Thursday following a fake 911 phone call reporting an alleged active shooting. School district officials were able to confirm that the call originated outside of the country. This practice, called swatting, where someone calls in a fake emergency to prompt a police response, has become a national trend that is disruptive to the well-being of school communities, negatively impacts the educational process, and drains the resources of both law enforcement and school district staff. 
The district released a statement on Thursday saying, quote, Mansfield ISD takes these situations seriously and will use every resource to determine who made the call and hold them accountable, end quote. The city of Mansfield is hosting another Chunk Your Junk and Shred Day event this Saturday. Chunk Your Junk allows Mansfield residents to discard large items such as box springs and mattresses, car batteries, furniture, appliances, scrap metal, anything bulky. On-site secure paper shredding will also be available. It all takes place on Saturday, April 1st, 8 a.m. to noon at the Chris Burkett Service Center, located at 620 South Wisteria Street. Chunk Your Junk and Shred Day is free for Mansfield residents with proof of residency. For full details, visit our website at aboutmansfield.com and click on the links tab. If you have a comment about the show, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, we want them all. You can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 817-435-2938. Or by email at news at aboutmansfield.com. News at aboutmansfield.com. This coming Tuesday, April 4th, is National Hug a Newsperson Day, a day that was created to show appreciation for the important role that journalists and other news professionals play in keeping the public informed and up-to-date on current events. The idea behind National Hug a Newsperson Day is to encourage people to take a moment to thank and show their support for the hardworking men and women who bring us the news every day or in this case, every week. While the name of the holiday suggests physical contact, yes, it is important to remember that not everyone may feel comfortable with hugs, so it's a good idea to ask before hugging someone. The day is also an opportunity to raise awareness about the challenges that journalists face in the course of their work. This includes everything from long hours and tight deadlines to the risk of physical harm in some situations. By showing appreciation for these professionals, you can help raise awareness of the importance of a free and independent press in a democratic society. You do not have to wait until this Tuesday to actually hug a news person. Send us a virtual hug by email to news at aboutmansfield.com. And speaking of long hours and tight deadlines, she does it all from her weather desk. Let's check the forecast for the upcoming week. Colleen? I could spend 24 hours a day at the weather desk, and the actual weather in spring in Texas will still be completely different than my forecast. But that's not going to stop me. Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. There's a system that at the time of this recording is still off the coast of California, but it's allegedly heading our way and will bring us a level two severe weather threat starting Thursday night and continuing into Friday morning, with a 60% chance of rain on Friday. After that, we'll be warm and sunny for the weekend. We're looking at a high of 68 degrees on Wednesday, 74 degrees on Thursday, 83 degrees on Friday, 74 degrees on Saturday, 80 degrees on Sunday, 84 degrees on Monday, and 85 degrees on Tuesday. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Become a lifesaver this April and create awareness that heartburn can cause cancer. We'll talk about it in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Beth Steinke, and it's time for a market update today on the Mansfield Real Estate Report. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, 
I'll be talking about a cocktail that makes a regular appearance at my house. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. At Methodist Health System, every person we treat Good morning, class. is a vital part of the communities we call home. Table for two. That's why we're dedicated to exceptional, innovative care. From robotic surgery and advanced oncology to helping you find a healthier path. And hold that pose. Three, two, one. Being there when and where our neighbors need us. The doctor will be right in. That's community. And why so many people trust Methodist. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. Congratulations to our latest trivia winner, Veronica Wimmer. Last week, we asked... Who established the Cowbell Indoor Rodeo? Veronica was the first to correctly reply and knew it was lifetime resident of Mansfield, William H. B. Hogg, and she has won a $25 gift card to the restaurant of her choice. When we come back, this week's trivia question. This is about Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio 3.0. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. What started out as an audio-only studio, Podcast Mansfield is now a full-service audio and video recording studio, complete with custom green screen backgrounds, two high-definition cameras, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and we can also help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Wealth Building Made Simple, We Are TPM, and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is 
time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular about Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice, and it's brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find him on the internet at Joe Jenkins Insurance. And as I mention every week, not every winner submits their answer on Wednesday. So if you're listening on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever, you know, give it a shot. You may be taking home a $25 restaurant gift card. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, famed R&B singer Ella Mae Morse was born on September 12, 1924, and raised right here in Mansfield, Texas. She recorded for Capitol Records in the 1940s and 50s. This week's trivia question is multiple choice. What was Ella Mae Morse's best-selling song? Was it Cow Cow Boogie, Shoo Shoo Baby, or The Blacksmith Blues? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what was Ella Mae Morse's best-selling song? Cow Cow Boogie, Shoo Shoo Baby, or The Blacksmith Blues? Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, I'm Rosalie Gilbert, cultural arts supervisor for the city of Mansfield. You're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Angel Biasati is here with a local doctor talking about how chronic heartburn can lead to cancer in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Angel? Methodist Mansfield Medical Center has joined in the fight against heartburn and esophageal cancer in our community. Esophageal cancer is the fastest increasing cancer among American men and one of the deadliest. However, it's also preventable. We have gastroenterologist Muhammad Memon on staff at Methodist Mansfield who will share information about the disease, heartburn, and what we can do to prevent esophageal cancer. Dr. Memon. Esophageal cancer, uh, as uh, Angel mentioned, is uh, one of the fastest diagnosed cancer in this uh, country. Most common reason for esophageal cancer uh, is a acid reflux disease. If the acid reflux disease is not well controlled, it can turn to precancerous condition in certain people. We call it as a Barrett's esophagus, and that can lead to esophageal cancer. Let's talk about what people can do to decrease the risk of getting acid reflux in the first place. The incidence of acid reflux is such a common thing that uh, we found out that uh, about 60% of the adult population will have acid reflux once a month. 20% will have an episode two to three times a month. So it is a very common condition. And uh, we also know that a lot of this has to do with our lifestyle. One of the things that we have found out that uh, some basic foods that we eat are also responsible for acid reflux. Uh, like we know that uh, people who consume more caffeine they have more acid reflux, so cough too much coffee, uh, chocolate, peppermint, carbonated drinks, 
citrus fruits and juices, tomatoes uh, and high-fat uh, high spicy foods, these all have been uh, known to reduce the pressure of your lower esophageal sphincter, make it more weak, and causes more acid reflux. And you also told me earlier, if you eat smaller and more frequent meals each day, instead of a few large meals, this can help your body digest the food properly instead of consuming one big meal. Yeah, and I mean, that's a, a common understanding that uh, if you fill up your stomach with a large amount of a meal, it's going to cause more problems or more symptoms. So uh, eating small, frequent uh, meals would be a better option. Uh, other thing that we have found out that uh, if you eat uh, late at night, you have more acid reflux. So we recommend that uh, eat two to three hours before going to bed. So when you lay flat uh, in the bed, uh, your food have had the time to pass your stomach into your small intestines and you will have less acid reflux during the night. Does stress affect our bodies and cause more acid reflux? Stress is known to cause more stomach symptoms uh, and people who have stomach symptoms, we call dyspepsia, uh, can have symptoms that could mimic acid reflux. But stress obviously also makes you eat foods that are not an excessive amount and uh, which also can aggravate your reflux symptoms. What about being overweight? Does that play into acid reflux? I think that's a very good question. Uh, last 50 years, we've noticed that uh, there's a rise in the incidence of obesity in our uh, population. And uh, if you correlate the graph with the obesity and the incidence of acid reflux, they both go parallel. So obviously, people who gain weight, they have more increased abdominal pressure, and it causes more acid reflux to happen. If you smoke, does that cause acid reflux? Smoking the nicotine uh, is not good for any part of your body, and acid reflux obviously makes it symptoms get flared up if you are a smoker because it decreases the lower esophageal sphincter pressure. Well, thank you, Dr. Mimmon, for being with us and for helping people understand heartburn and how to extinguish that fire. If you have heartburn and if over-the-counter medications or lifestyle changes continue to fail at giving you long-lasting relief, then make an appointment at the Heartburn Treatment Center at 682 242 4373. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Angel Biasati with Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Realtor Beth Steinke has the latest local real estate facts and figures in the Mansfield real estate market update. Beth? Today we are going to focus on market data and the interpretation of that data so that you can make smart decisions as we go deeper into the spring market. February 2023 numbers are out, and the news looks really good for Mansfield, but stay tuned, we will take a deeper dive. The median sales price for Mansfield, February 2023, is over 500000 That's up 14.6% from 2022. Active listings are also up over 150% from February of last year. It's taking almost 60 additional days this year to find a buyer for your home. But even still, 20% more homes are closing this February when compared to last year in Mansfield. Now let's talk about the new construction effect. All of the monthly and annual numbers that I give you include new construction. And when we look at nearby communities that do not have as many new construction numbers, we do see a different picture. Let's take a closer look at Arlington as an example. They are showing a median sales price of 322000 That's down 2.4% from last February, and closed sales are down almost 15% from last year. 
there's not as much building in Arlington as they are doing here in Mansfield. Now let's take a look at Tarrant County. Tarrant County is down 2% year over year on median sales price, and closed sales are down 6.4% from last February. And this includes Mansfield's very positive numbers. A nationwide snapshot shows us that the South, from Texas to Maryland basically, is performing strong with month-over-month increases, while the Northeast and the Western region is underperforming the index. Nationwide, existing home sales are up almost 15% in February, representing the largest monthly increase since July of 2020. Turning our attention back locally and excluding new construction numbers, there are currently 95 houses on the market in Mansfield from 225000 to $1.8 million. There are eight homes available under that $300,000 mark. The median time on market for those active listings is currently 55 days, with a median sales price of 523000 So here are my recommendations. Sellers are beginning to get their homes on the market, which will bring buyers out to shop. If you're on the fence about making a move, start by getting lender recommendations from your realtor and have an in-depth conversation with them about what a payment in a new home might look like today. You have a lot of built-up equity in your home, and you might be able to take that over to a new home and make it much more affordable than you think. If that is doable, it may make sense to make the move now rather than continue to either pay rent or stay in a home you don't love. I will go out on a prediction limb here and say that interest rates will go down from their current position. What I don't know is when. Why do I feel so confident about this? Because that's exactly what the Federal Reserve has told us that they're going to do. They are targeting a 2% inflation rate. That's what they're shooting for. We're currently at 6%, and that's down from 8.5%. And they are targeting a 2% Fed borrowing rate to banks. Well, that tells us that we should expect to see mortgage interest rates back in the 5% range at some point. Maybe it'll be 2025. But the good news is that we have a goal, and we will get there at some point. And that's when the refinancing boom will begin. If you need help with decision-making around your real estate holdings, we're here to help. You can reach out to us personally or send your question to share on a future episode to info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred, either way, you know it's going to be good as Brian Certain serves up a batch of libations in the cocktail of the week. Brian? This week's cocktail of the week is the Batched Cosmopolitan. Last week, I started a new series on batch cocktails. To remind you what a batch cocktail is, is making a cocktail in a larger proportion, making them by the pitcher or by the bottle, which means that while you're hosting, you don't have to be filling shakers, knocking over the bitters, rattling your ice. The drinks are pre-made and can be portioned out either by you or by your guests individually just when they're ready for them. But like our last door on freezer door cocktails, doing batch cocktails takes a little bit of math to make it work, but the process is pretty simple. Remember, again, a gallon's 128 ounces, so you need to put the proportions into a gallon proportion instead of a glass proportion. So the formula for this cocktail is one and a half to one to half, or a total of three. More simply said, it's an ounce and a half of citrus vodka, an ounce of triple sec or orange liqueur, and a half ounce of lime juice. I first introduced the Cosmopolitan to our podcast listeners on April 7, 2021. If you want to go back and read more about the creation of this cocktail, I'd encourage you to go into the Bourbon Gospel Archives to look for it. 
But don't worry about taking notes, and I'll be giving out all the ingredients and instructions. And as always, every Wednesday, posting them on bourbongospel.com. So the batch made cosmopolitan. You're going to need 60 ounces of a citrus vodka. That's right, 60 ounces. You're then going to add 40 ounces of triple sec. That's 100 ounces of alcohol. So realize this cocktail packs a punch. And then 20 ounces of fresh lime juice and about six ounces of cranberry juice. The most common mistake I see made with Cosmopolitans is most people think it's about a being a cranberry cocktail and not just hinted with pink from the cranberries. But that's the way I make them. So to make the cocktail, you're going to pour all the ingredients into a one-gallon container, shake well, and keep in the fridge until ready. When I'm ready to serve it, I'm going to put it in an outdoor beverage dispenser with a metal stand and pour the batch cocktail into that dispenser. I'm then going to fill glasses with ice, and then when I'm ready or my guests are ready, we'll put the cocktail in the glass and top with a lime wedge. Cheers. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at brian at bourbongospel.com. And speaking of Bourbon Gospel, in case you missed it, we have gotten a complete revamp of our website, and I would invite you to go and register for our updates and articles. Every week, our Cocktail of the Week will then be delivered directly to your inbox every Wednesday morning. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and even TikTok. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Brian Certain. Hi, I'm Jennifer Cowley, president of the University of Texas at Arlington, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, I get to go back. It's probably been a couple of years when I met this guy. He's the husband of a really good friend of mine. And we we got together, we carpooled to a Rangers game. And in the half an hour that uh, that it took to get to the ballpark, I learned more about this guy, and, and, and it was just really fascinating about what he does. And we're going to get into that. Uh, Jason Harris, welcome to About Mansfield. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. And do you remember that day we uh, I, I I picked you and your wife up at uh, at, at your place? And yes, I remember it well. And uh, first time I met your wife. That's that's true. And and. So um, you're a uh, you're. A... I'm multiple things. I'm a certified celebrant, which is a fancy word for a guy that speaks at funerals. One okay. of my greatest passions. Do a little grief counseling, and I also sell pre need funeral insurance. So I help people make arrangements before they need it. Yeah, which is an incredibly yeah. smart thing to do. Today we're here to talk about the grief process, the mourning process, the. And really, just just what you do because it is fascinating as hell that that you were just just before we started recording. Um, most of my listeners know because I mention it at the top of every broadcast. Broadcasting from the Selmark Studios, we are in this <laughs> massive building, and part of this building is. Uh, what they call the Grand View Room, and and you were actually the very first person to rent that room. Yeah, and it was a funeral. Amazing, and it was just last week. Yes, last Thursday. And talk about first of all, uh, yeah, talk about the funeral and 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 how what was your participation in in the funeral? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, uh, 
I happened to be here, Steve, you were here on the night that we, they had kind of an open house to the community. Yeah. Was it an open house as much? I don't even recall, but you were playing the guitar and uh, singing and, and, uh, and everything. And that's when we got the grand tour of this place, amazing facility. And, uh, James Sellers and, and others, you know, showing the, the facility said that this place would be used as an event center right. eventually. And um, I got a phone call on Tuesday. I was sitting at the Waxahachie Funeral Home uh, helping a family prearrange a funeral. And uh, uh, I got a phone call from one of the pastors here in Mansfield saying, I have a family here in my office and they need help with a funeral. Can you? Can I give them your number? Which is a little unusual because I'm not a funeral director, yeah, <laughs> uh, or or anything like that. But I said sure, and I got a phone call in about five minutes, and this uh, young man said that my sister-in-law just passed away, and she's at the Mansfield funeral home, but their chapel isn't nearly big enough. We're probably going to have at least a couple of hundred people show up this week, and. Uh, and the lady was very young. She was only 34 years old, had died of stage four breast cancer. And so they wanted uh, the breast cancer awareness to be a part of this as well. Lots of people in pink on Thursday. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I mean, one of the first things that came to my mind, besides they had checked with a couple of churches, uh, and for whatever reason, they weren't able to use their facilities. So it's like, where where can we go? And... Uh, and one of my first thoughts was, well, I'm sitting here at Waxahachie Funeral Home. That's yeah. only about 25 minutes from Mansfield. And um, and the owner of, of that facility, Kenneth Dollar, is a good friend of mine. I've known him for many years. And I thought, well, I know that he would allow his chapel to be used. Probably wouldn't even charge him for something like that. And uh, I'm not going to quote that for sure if anyone, you know, anyone out there uh, don't assume you can just use this chapel any old time. Yeah. But it just logistically it wouldn't have been very feasible for people to have left Mansfield drive almost a half an hour to get situated just for a service. So I thought of this place and I picked up the phone called James, told him what was happening and to my delight and surprise, he said, yeah. He said, just talk to our new event coordinator. And long story short, it happened. And it was, you know, it was truly, truly it, an amazing experience. Uh, market uh, Marketplace ended up catering a meal after the service oh, was that's over. That's right. I did see their van outside. Yeah. And that was some great chicken, too. <laughs> so yes. it was – everything happened. Uh, and and uh, for – Lack of time, I won't go into all the details, but the importance of having a service is something that is kind of looked over these days. And from my passion as a grief counselor or someone who I, I love doing grief seminars yeah, uh, for two reasons. One, for people who are grieving – too many times, Steve, people think, well, I'll just get over this. This is something I'm just going to have to go yes, through. Yes, I have a strong soul. I'm going to tough it out. Exactly. And, and and people don't even know how to ask for help when they're grieving. And so what I've discovered, and not my discovery, but so many people, they just don't have handles for 
you know, this I'm navigating waters that I've never been in before. Yeah. And so it's different. I mean, if I found out, Steve, that my mail carrier, who I've met, her name is Carmen, by the way, mm-hmm. and uh, um, just like my wife's name, only spelled differently. Uh-huh. And so, but I've met her a time or two. If I got with suddenly somebody else started delivering my mail and somebody says, well, didn't you hear uh you know, our mail carrier, Carmen, she was killed in a car accident or she died or or whatever. I would grieve differently for her than when my grandmother, who passed away 24 years ago next month in April, um, I'm still grieving my mammal, yeah. uh, my grandmother. Uh, and that's a very different kind of grief. And so when... You know, there's there's certainly room between the distance between denial, which has been identified as the first stage of grief, to the last stage, which is acceptance. And so, uh, but there's a couple of things that I always say about grief, and I know that I've jumped off of the original question. Uh, that's okay, because grief, that was my next mm-hmm. question. And, and knowing that there are... There are five stages, stages of grief. Uh-huh. You just mentioned denial and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the other three? Well, that's uh, yeah, uh, Clover Rasa. I think if I'm saying the name right, who came up with the model lady that uh, you know, it's it's a little difficult, Steve, because grief isn't linear as as we often think. Some people get flung right into the middle of it, and you know, but denial is is very common denial is that's that's one pretty common denominator especially when the death is unexpected yeah if the death is unexpected someone dies in a car accident or or whatever else but uh but even when my grandmother passed 24 years ago we all figured mamma would be around for another 15 or 20 years mm-hmm. and uh and so it wasn't very much expected even though we had about six to eight weeks that she was in intensive care um, but the, so denial is just that I can't believe this has happened. Doesn't mean oh. I refuse to believe it. It simply believes this can't be real. Yeah. What's well, you know, and then we the second stage is anger, and uh, and and sometimes that's an unexpected stage. And so you know, I, I'm telling you know siblings and and children of of grieving uh, people things. A lot of times, don't take it too personally. If mom suddenly bites your head off, you know, for no, you know, uh, real reason, um, you when you're in the anger phase, you're either angry with the person who passed away. Because why did you leave? You know, I need you. Right. Uh, sometimes people are angry with God and they, they think, how could you take my husband? How could you take my child? How could you? Why? You know, and uh, and there's many things we could delineate here. But then we move into the bargaining stage. And and to be honest with you, Steve, this is the stage that I have the most trouble articulating because it's just so different for people. Bargaining is, is well, what if maybe there's some way I could still talk to him again? Or maybe and this, this is where some people even will perhaps seek out a medium or something. And it's funny that you said the words, mm-hmm. what if? Because when you said bargaining, that's yeah. the first thing that came to my mind was... What if? Well, what if? Yeah. What if I? What if I? And, and yeah, you're 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 bargaining with yourself that that sure maybe I can, and that's probably another term. Maybe I can. Yeah, 
Yeah, and maybe I, maybe there's some way they can come back. Maybe there's some way, and and this is often where you'll hear stories. And and I've learned, Steve, not to deny anybody their reality. Yeah. Uh, where it comes to, I, I I heard my my father's voice. I heard, or I saw something, or whatever somebody's experience is. I don't think it's too fanciful because I I'm not going to tell you. No, that didn't happen to you. You're crazy. Uh, <laughs> Oh well, yeah, it did. I mean, and 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 I'm going to tell this just right on the podcast that I I, I don't often tell, but uh, just a couple of weeks after my grandmother passed away, I was living in Oklahoma, and this was almost 25 years ago, 24 years ago, and so this was before cell phones were uh, real prevalent. Still had a corded phone next to my bed, if you remember those. Sure. And one Saturday. My phone rang, woke me up. I was in my bed, and my, my phone beside my bed woke me up. I grabbed the phone, hello. And as surely as you and I are talking across from this table right now, I heard my grandmother's voice. It was the craziest thing. Freaked me out. Hmm. And she said, hey, honey. And I was dumbfounded, and I said, Mamma. <laughs> and and, and, uh, and she was chuckling, or... And I said, what, what are you doing? And she said, I was just calling to wish you a happy birthday. I said, well, it's not my birthday. My birthday is in February. This was like in June or May or something. And, and she laughed again. She goes, I know it. I really just wanted you to know I'm okay. And I don't even remember exactly what happens then. My memory fades at this point. But all at once, the phone is back in its cradle and, and, it's, and it's not in my hand anymore. And it occurred to me, well, was that a dream? Most likely. I yeah. don't really think Mamma called me from heaven. I'd love for it to have happened on my cell phone to see what the caller ID showed. But uh, but the, the tangibility of it and the reality of it was so palpable that it's, it's like a memory. And I'm sure it was a dream, but it was very, very tangible. Never happened again. She doesn't call me every Saturday. No. I haven't tell you not. I don't, you know, she hasn't told me what it was like to meet Moses or anything like that. But, uh, but that's, I think that that would be a part of the bargaining stage. And I could be wrong. And so if there's a clinical psychologist out there that is offended by what I just said, I apologize. But uh, Or at least but, wants to chime in, send us an email yes, and, 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 and all... comment below. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the but but that I think that part of that longing and even after my other grandma and my mother's mother passed uh, several years later, and in fact just about three or four years ago, she was ninety seven, much older. Mm. Um, it was one of those things where the the morning after she, I found out that she had passed. Uh, I was actually at my parents' house, and you hear stories about cardinals and red cardinals, yeah. and sometimes what they represent and things. And I'd never seen one uh, that well. I've seen a cardinal before, but they're just that morning. It just kind of hung out there. Well, that was just a cardinal. I don't believe it was mammal. I don't believe it was you know my other mammal uh, or anything. But I think that is a part of the uh, the the bargaining the phase. Bargaining. Is, is I, I just kind of wish there was, and then we move into depression. Depression uh, okay. is the fourth stage, and this doesn't mean clinical depression necessarily, but it's that part of I just can't motivate myself to do anything. And it's laborious to even get up and wash the dishes or to, uh, you know, or, or to function at work or uh, or whatever. And then the, the final stage is acceptance. It's now what's 
but when I say it's not linear, it's it, it can be almost cyclical. It can be, you know, but but I want to say this. There's there's two things in my grief seminar that I always say about grief. The first one, Steve, is that it's as unique as your fingerprints. Mm-hmm. There are no two people on this planet that grieve exactly the same way. So I almost never discuss the five stages of grief with anybody. So each stage isn't three months each. Exactly. And, it's like, and, okay, well, congratulations, you finished stage two. Now on to stage three. Yeah. it's That doesn't work that way. Uh-uh. And do they ever... Overlap? Can someone uh, bargain and be in depression at the same time? Ab- yes, yeah, and and uh, in fact, they can come out of depression and go back to bargaining, and 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 then they even revert back to anger and just you know. And es- I think especially it's a great question because I think especially when we come up come up to these you know uh, a, a significant birthday or anniversary or uh, all of those dates uh, before we. We're recording. I, uh, you and I were talking about the, the, you know, the, every the every firsts. family, yes, moves into an entire year of firsts after they lose a loved one, and that's what I was sharing with this family last week. Is you know her husband, um, who is now alone raising a six year old and a ten year old, um, you know. They've they've got to hit Mother's Day here in just a couple of months. Is mm-hmm. in May, in June is his birthday, and also Father's Day in July was their anniversary. This will be their first anniversary without his wife there. And sometimes on significant days like that, man, it's like you can run the whole gamut again. I can't believe she's gone, and I'm angry that. She's gone. I'm, you know, this isn't fair. Right. You know, she was so young and should be able to watch her kids grow up and should be able to have grandchildren and, and those kind of things. And then the depression, it can really, uh, sink right back into the depression on days like that. But acceptance is, you know, and, and once you hit that fifth stage, Steve, this is so important. It's an, actually a good segue into the second thing that I always say is that grief really never goes away, never goes away. Oh, yeah. And this is why I, I say next month will be the 24th anniversary of my grandmother in heaven now, you know, and, and, um, are you right-handed? I am right-handed. I'm right-handed. And uh uh and but if I suddenly lost my right arm in an accident, mm-hmm. well now I'm left-handed. Whether I like it or not. If I lost my arm and guess what? Right after an accident like that, for the first week or two, I'm going to say I'm probably in a lot of pain. Uh I'm I'm pro- you know, if I lost it in an accident and and lost my arm for crying out loud, that'd be an awful thing to happen. So I'm going to be in a lot of pain. There's going to be a lot of adjustment to that pain. But I'm also going to find that the most menial tasks that I'm so used to doing without even thinking are suddenly very difficult. Uh, imagine brushing your teeth with your non-dominant hand and how awkward that would feel. Oh, yeah. And and uh, and just trying to do everything left-handed, trying to write the grocery list or trying to write a note or trying to get dressed with one arm or tying your shoes. How am I going to do that? And, well, here's the point. So that first, I'm going to be in denial. I can't believe I lost my arm. But that I'd probably be angry that it's hard to do these things now. And uh, and the bargaining, gosh, all the what ifs. Man, why did I have to put 
try to put that extra branch in the leaf chipper or whatever it was, oh, or however I lost okay, my arm. Yeah, it's yeah. an awful, awful graphic. I was looking at mountain bikes. Maybe and you made a you yes, had an accident. Yes, or, this but, is awful. Okay, <laughs> I'm just glad it didn't drag me all the way in. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, and 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 uh, but here's the thing: is that three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. I've gotten a little more proficient at those things, and I've, I've, I don't want to say I've gotten used to only having one arm, but guess what? 20 years from now, if you were to ask me, and after all these years, I bet you really miss that arm. I'm not going to say, eh, two arms is overrated. You know, <laughs> I can handle that. It's, so I, it's, it's you, right. You never get over it. Yeah, I would, I would probably Whether, say I would give anything. To have that arm back for a day. Yeah. So I could put both of my arms around my wife, around someone that I love. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to say, I didn't really need that arm. And so it's even more so when someone loses a spouse or a child or a parent, uh, a loved one. 20 years from now, you're going to say, I'd give anything to have 15 minutes just to – I'd love – my grandmother and I were playing a game. Uh, gosh, it was a card game, and uh, I don't remember now exactly which one it was. But I'd love to finish that game with her. You know, it didn't happen. You know, nothing happened during that. But it was one of those. Okay, next time you come over, we'll finish this game. We still had two or three hands left, mm-hmm. and uh, still had the you know, the scorecard with both our names on it. There, you know, when we went through a personal effects a few weeks after uh, she passed, and. And uh, and so there's so the two things again, it's as unique as your fingerprints. And that and by the way, that's why all you listening never ever ever just remove from your list of things to say from people. I know how you feel. You deserve to be punched in the throat if you say that to someone who's grieving. And you might get punched in the throat from some people, but you don't. And even you don't have license to say that if you've lost a like relative or, uh, in other words, if someone's lost their father and you've lost your father, you don't go up and say, I know how you feel because I lost my father. Well, guess what? You didn't lose his father. Right. You didn't lose their father. You, You know how you felt when you lost your father. But... You know, and and it gets worse than that, Steve. I mean, I've I've known people who've lost a child have someone say, "Tim, I know how you feel. My dog died last week." Oh, I'm serious. And said, we say some of the dumbest things, um, and 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 uh, so one of the things we haven't mentioned in the book I wrote a couple of years ago, oh, about three years ago. It. Okay, yeah. but uh, but one of the things I really focus on in that, but one of the reasons I wrote it is not only. For grieving people, but what do I say to someone who is grieving? And even more importantly, what do I, what shouldn't I say? But there's a plethora of things uh, that we say that are often, you know, we, everyone means well. They mean well, but they end up saying things like, well, you know, God needed them more than you did. That's not true. God needed another angel. That's not even Biblically, biblically accurate, you know, and so there are you know, anything that starts with at least is not going to end, you know, well. So right. at least he's not suffering anymore. At least you had her for 70 years or at least she's in a better place. What does that even mean? I mean, Hawaii is a better place, you know. Right, right. So what do you say? And actually, you know what, let's, 
this is a great transition mm-hmm. into in, into the book mm-hmm. that uh, just just before we started recording, you were telling me about the Hobbit, the dog, and the matchbook, uh-huh. which is chapter nine. But first of all, uh-huh. what's the name of the book? Okay, the title is Good Grief. Good, Celebrate your life. Good grief. And I, yeah, and I, and I was really, really proud of the title, title "Good Grief." I thought this is so clever. Good grief, just like Charlie Brown. Yeah. And it's about grief, but there's already a book called "Good Grief," and so I added the subtitle "Celebrate Your Life." And I am a celebrant, and there is such a difference. I was telling you earlier, Steve, that you know, uh, people today, especially the the newer generation. They're not celebrating the life of their loved ones. They look at the funeral home as more of a disposal industry than a place to tell my loved one's story. And 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 then when I help people prearrange their funeral, and by the way, this is one of the most important things you can do, uh, and I don't want to hijack this podcast to talk about pre-need, mm-hmm. but the three advantages of pre, uh, pre-arranging your funeral is personal, emotional, and financial. The fact that you make your own choices, whether or not you want to be buried or cremated, for example, uh, or do I want to be in a casket? Do I... You know, uh, do I want to wear a Dallas Cowboy jersey or do I want a three-piece suit on? Yeah. You know, that sort of – so you can make your own choices. Emotional, I shouldn't even have to say, do you really want your kids to have to arrange your funeral on one of the worst days of their life, especially if you were taken out of this world suddenly and tragically? Uh, and then financial, I mean, I won't really go into that too much now, but it literally freezes the cost. If you don't need a funeral for 25 years from now, 30 years from now, you can pay off a funeral in five to 10 years incrementally uh, instead of we need all this money right now. That's mm-hmm. a funeral home. They have to be, they, funeral homes don't have a repo guy, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you can say, oh, well, you're behind on your payments. So we're going to dig them up and put them in your garage now. That's you right. know, they don't do that. And so, so, you know, being able to pay for it over time, that's important. But a lot of times when I'm talking to people about prearranging their funeral, they, they get this kind of faux uh, humility, not that it's fake, it's it, it's it's real, I guess. But people say things like this: "Oh, I don't care what you do with me. Just put me in a box and throw me in the backyard. I mean, don't make a big fuss over me. I don't want anybody making a big fuss over me." Yeah. And I get that sentiment, but the rudest thing I say to people, Steve, is, frankly, it's not about you. Your funeral is not about you. It it, it should celebrate your life and tell your story. But the purpose for the celebration is for the family. It's for the people gathered. And there needs to be a gathering. Uh, A lot of people get stuck in their grief when there's no proper celebration of their life, Hmm. of of their loved one's life. And uh, I I mentioned in my book about uh, a woman I had lunch with one time when she found out that I do some grief counseling. And I found out. Her mother died 20 years ago, but she still really, really struggles with it. And I said, well, tell me about the funeral service. She said, we didn't have one. Ah. And I said, really? I said, well, I think this is why you're stuck. And a, a grief counselor can say, well, we can either meet monthly or weekly for the next six months or whatever, or we can have a service. And they're like, what, now? I mean, she died 20 years ago. I know. 
Let's have a service. Let's have a service that celebrates your loved one. Even if you invite a half a dozen people or whatever. And people have found, Steve, that that's what they needed. The example I use, and I say this in almost every funeral that I speak at, yeah. because I will, people just, they, they don't really have the, the perspective proper when they're saying, I don't care what you do with me. And I talk about the Olympics. I don't know if you like the Olympics. Love the Olympics. Olymp- Olympics are amazing. The re- and they only come around every four years. Right. I know you get the little two-year winter thing, but th- th- that doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, I, and that's no offense to all you Winter Olympics people. But in the Olympics, you're, you see a field of athletes that have all their life, all they've done is perfect their craft. And mm-hmm. I mean, and their discipline. And so a sprinter of the 100-meter you know, Dash is, they've worked for years and years and years to be on a world theater for 10 seconds or right, less. Right. And so, but can you imagine all the things they forsook to get to where they are, you know, while their other friends were partying, they were at the track and and things like that. And so their life speaks of all of this. And then you win gold for your country. And imagine that athlete looking over at the judge's table and say, ah, you know what? Why don't you put that medal in a box and mail it to me? And you never, ever see that. No one does that. Why? Because we're going to have a ceremony. We're going to have a ceremony. We're going to, we're going to stand you on the highest of these three platforms. We're going to put that gold medal around your neck. And then we're going to raise the banner of your country and play the anthem of your country. And you know what? When that happens, what do you see on that athlete's face while that ceremony is going on. Oh, it's whether smiles or tears or almost, just a, a wash of emotion. Yes, and it's almost always tears. Yeah. And and it's and, and that's another thing I hear all the time. You know, I don't want anybody crying at my funeral. I, yeah, I, I mm. want everybody – and I get that sentiment as well. I don't want you to be sad, but guess what? They're going to be. And so don't don't put that burden on your loved ones to say, do not – you. I want you to promise me now you won't cry at my funeral. Don't ask somebody to do that. It's just not fair because they're going to. They're going to miss you, and those tears mean they love you. That's the that's the the grief is 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 really the the cost of loving someone so much. But they there are tears, and and so when I'm speaking at a funeral, I will say this: what I said the other day, right here at Selmark, I, I gestured toward the casket. I said, "This is her platform." And you are her anthem, and you are her banner. And that's why I asked the five questions. Which, that, which you're about to which ask. Which I'm I about think. to ask. Okay. Yes, yes. The reason I wrote, one of the reasons I wrote the book is because I developed five questions. As a celebrant, I'm asked to do funerals all the time. 98% of them probably, Steve, is I never knew the person. Yeah. And so you already have the obstacle to overcome when I speak. To have to address that elephant in the room and, and 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 people know who's this bald guy? Why is he up there? You know, he's not a part of the family. And so I, I do. I tell him it was never my privilege to know this person in this lifetime. And because that's true, and because I want us to celebrate his or her life today, I recruited some help. And I asked as many family members. And in this case, I put five I put the five questions on a half sheet of paper. It simply says remembering so and so, and and I put them out the night before at visitation, 
ideally. And that's what we did this last week. And Steve, we set a record this week. Not, I mean, it was a big funeral, a couple of hundred people there. But I normally will get a dozen, 15, maybe at a, on the high end, about 20 of these half pieces of paper back. And it gives me a treasure trove of information that I can make it a very personable service then. Sure. And uh, my favorite compliment I get from funeral directors at various funeral homes when I do services but is consistent is we've never had so much laughter coming out of our chapel than when you do services That's here. important. And it is. The laughter through tears is one of the most healing emotions a person can have. And uh, and so, but it's not because I try to get up and make it a it's comedy You're not, you're not a stand-up comedian. That's right. right. Yeah, right. that wouldn't be respectful to, to get up and say, hey, a priest and a rabbi walked into a bar and uh, and, and tell jokes. That would, you know, that would take the spotlight off the person. But the answers to these five questions bring smiles and laughter. We're talking with celebrant Jason Harris. And coming up next week, the conclusion of our interview, including the vulnerable side of a talk show host. As always, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com. Enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Science reporter, Dennis Webb. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel B. Asadi. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. Mansfield.